Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Today's guest, we have Cash Crawford joining us today. She's a singer, songwriter, just has a brand new song that came out called Save Myself. She lives in Nashville. And this was a really great conversation. I truly, truly enjoyed this. Cash and I connected um, after I think I was on Kid Carson's podcast, I believe, or it was um, Kaylor Betts. I can't remember which one. But I, I got a lot of new people reach out to me locally from, from Canada, which was awesome because, you know, they heard me and they just hear people like myself, kid and, and Kaylor talking, speaking truth. And, you know, they come into your life and cash was one of these and we become friends and we've been talking and she's awesome. And she's worked in the nightlife industry, um, for many years and, um, She's really stayed true to her craft, which is really amazing. And we'll dive, I don't want to get into too much in the intro, but we dive into her career, her story, and you know what it really means to create this stuff and how powerful it is to stay true to your intuition and to stay resilient in, in chasing your dreams. You know, it's really important. But we talked about a lot in this conversation, and uh, you guys are gonna love this. So also, make sure, as I mentioned, go get her song, Save Myself After. It's an awesome song. And uh, yeah, this is great. Enjoy the episode. Cash Crawford coming right up. Here we go. Cash, welcome to University of Adversity. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to have you on. I was just listening to your new track. It is fucking awesome. And yeah. it's what, what came to me when I was listening to it was like, it's a very self-aware song it's like being aware of them and then really like empowering yourself and it's not being like a victim yeah like a lot of people are being in the world so yeah. it's like i really liked it and there were some there are some cool lyrics that we'll, I'll, I'll bring up after but i wanted to just give you credit when credit's due and when i get when i get like kind of goosebumps from a song i like it so thank you for creating such a powerful song Thank you. I'm glad that it's it's touching people the way that it is. And I it's kind of shocking some of the responses I'm getting to it. So it's good. I think it's just about for me, I'm just literally being as honest as I possibly can. And I think that's paying off. And especially right now, people just need things that content and music and art and everything that is just truthful. Yeah. To the human, like yeah. real authenticity, yeah, not bullshit. I, we've really been missing that, I think, especially in the country music community. And I think it's starting to shift. And that's why you're seeing artists like myself kind of like when I do put out stuff like this or when other artists do, it just it's like snatched and it's like shot to the top because people are so starving for quality instead of fluff, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And not just bullshit that it's got a good melody, but like actual words that are like empowering. Mm -hmm. 
I read this thing about how Spotify, their new, like their their music that's streaming the most right now is all of the stuff that's older. Because like Fleetwood Mac, older 70s, like to 90s kind of stuff. Uh. Because it had so much more substance to it back then, you know? Like, not to knock, like, this is just this first song that's coming to my head. But like, not, and not to knock it, because it's a great song and it did really good. And it it's worth what it is worth. But the baby... Baby, baby, oh, I'm a baby, baby. Where is any of the poetic in that? You know, I think yeah. people are missing that. They're missing like the the lyrics that inspire you to be like Stevie Nicks. Her oh, her songs were literally her journal entries. You know, so I think that's why people are connecting with that kind of stuff again. That real heart. That real yeah. Like when you know, I know that Stevie Nicks is a big inspiration to you and. Fleetwood Mac and like those songs, there's like real substance to that. Like music that takes you into a different world. Like Dreams is like, it was a song that I listened to while I was backpacking Europe. And it literally warps me into a time machine that, that like has this, this feeling that a lot of songs don't have anymore. And like, I love that you brought that up because music is so powerful at, taking you on that journey and to be able to have like substance that really matters and at a time that we need it most that people can connect with is really really powerful yeah it's so healing if you let it be but we have to have the right properties in it for it to be healing right like i mean right it's kind of like having a cold and going to get chicken soup or making yourself proper vegetable broth with actual like good healthy things in it that are going to give you the body, your body the nutrients that you need. Mm. It's the same thing with music. Like what are we putting, what kind of nutrients are we putting into our songs? Because it's, it's healing if we let it be. Yeah, that's, it's so true. So true. So, okay. I want to learn more about your story. And for those that are just kind of hearing you for the first time, and we're going to share a little bit more of your song and, and present day, but I want yeah. to hear more of your backstory and kind of how you got into this. I found it really interesting because, you know, you worked at the Roxy, which is like probably one of the, if not the biggest staple in Vancouver ever, yeah. one of the, the most known nightclubs, one of the best country nights on Sunday nights. Like, like it's like everybody knows about it and you work yeah. there at like a great time. That's really interesting. And what I, I just want to know, how did you get into, I know you've been singing your whole life. Yeah. But if you can, walk us through a bit of your journey of like music into nightclubs and then how maybe you started to pivot into more of a, you know, holistic lifestyle. Yeah. Well, I think music, I never really chose music. I've been singing since I was two years old. So it's been in, I was singing since I was able to be like, form full sentences. So it's in my bones. And I think that it's very apparent to me that it's always been my purpose is to create music. And so doing that kind of growing up, I grew up in a, like on a farm, on a hobby farm and sang in church and was really spiritual. And well, I would say actually very Christian growing up through high school. I graduated from a Christian school. I was a worship leader in my church band, like all of that kind of stuff. So spirituality has always been a part of me as well. It's just, it came in, the, in a Christian package for me when I was younger. So I think holistics and spirituality kind of go hand in hand as well, because you can't really connect to your energy and understand the connection with humans unless you're tapped into your spirit. And I feel like the two just kind of, 
they're just kind of melded together. But going from that, uh, I went through a divorce at a very young age and kind of left a bad taste in my mouth with the church. And uh, I had moved down to, I was living in Kamloops and I had moved down to Vancouver to just start working. And I worked, started working in nightclubs and found live music places. My little sister was working at the Roxy as well. And she ended up getting me a job there. And I was like, as soon as they were on stage, I was like, I want to do this too. Like they're getting paid to do this. This is their job. I have to walk around with this tray full of drinks, getting people intoxicated when I could be singing on a stage. So they slowly allowed me to get up. Now I would get up there with like, do you remember how we used to walk around with the bills all in our hands and stuff? Yes. The trays above our head. So I would get up there with my tray, put it down and have my wad of money in my hand while I'm singing Carrie Underwood at the top of my lungs. <laughs> all kinds of ridiculousness. And then I just was able to have the right kind of people see me sing. And some people connected me with some work. I was able to get into like the wedding circuit and the casino circuit and stuff like that. So it kind of moved into that and then really started adversity. I fell and broke my leg really bad. I was actually going to start managing a restaurant, put music on the back burner for a little bit. Broke my leg super, super bad. Wasn't able to take this restaurant job. And so I literally was stuck in bed making music for almost six months. And that really kind of like, I did my first major performance as a, as Cash Crawford, the country artist with like, like on a, with a walker in, in a cast. So, and that was for JRFM, JRFM's Basics for Babies like years ago. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the start of it. And eventually I just decided that I was going to make my way down here because I was finding like, obviously I'm getting older now, working in the nightclubs is starting to suck my soul dry. I didn't really want to do like the nine to five job. I've tried it and it sent me into awful spiraling depression because I'm just not built for that lifestyle. Living paycheck to paycheck, I'm way too, you know, fly by the seat of my pants kind of a person for that. So then I ended up down here and it was kind of one of those things where I was like, this is where I should have been all along. Like I'm able to I'm singing other people's songs. I'm doing covers, but I get to do my own songs as well. And I get to make a really good living doing that and support myself just by using my voice. Like I just, a couple months ago, just paid off my first vehicle by just from singing. So lots of really cool things have happened when I've been able to follow what it is I know I'm supposed to do and stop trying to re resist that because it's hard. Being an artist is not an easy journey. It's like, you can't not be an artist, but there's no security in it. And there's no, you never know if you're going to make your money back. And, you know, it's some days you have writer's block and some days you don't want to get on a stage and you, you know, like I'm going through a little bit of personal stuff right now. And I was like, you can't cry before the podcast, like calm down. So like just things like that happen, right? You, when you're really connected to your spirit and your art, which also I think go hand in hand, creators tend to be spiritual people. You just kind of have to go with the ebbs and flows and let it, what happens happens, you know? Yeah. So much there. Yeah. Couple things I want to, there's two things I want to talk about that you just talked about. First of all is when you broke your leg, use yeah. your leg, right? Yeah. How interesting is that? That something like that, that would have felt like such a limitation that it forced you mm -hmm. to work on your craft. Yeah. But you could have easily sat there and been a victim and like not worked on that and still resisted. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, I just wasn't listening 
to my intuition and my gut. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to take that job. And I was literally on the way to go and say, yes, I will take this management position, slipped and fell in the snow. Boom. I feel like the universe was like, really sorry, this is going to be a hurtful lesson. Right. So because you can't run a restaurant when you've got a broken leg. So. Yeah, totally. But those are the things that it's very. See, I'm a big believer in intuition. And, you know, it's even I'm going to be doing a TED, a TEDx talk about using intuition to move through adversity because I think it's a very undervalued, under misunderstood concept because we we don't usually listen to those that feeling because logically sometimes it doesn't make sense yeah but we know and sometimes your intuition is going to make you make the difficult decision to prevent long-term adversity but yeah. sometimes we, you know we want to take the easy road because it's comfortable but it ends up throwing us unexpected adversity. I really believe that. I don't disagree with you at all. I think that's 100% accurate. When we don't listen to the things that our body is telling us that it needs or that it's, it's trying to move us. I mean, our, our body is so naturally connected and it's when we get oh, involved with it. Yeah. And when you allow yourself to be distracted or you follow to chase things like instant gratification instead of growth, it's just like, you disconnect from that. And then you, I agree, you end up having to work harder to get where you were in the first place. If you had to listen to your intuition, you would have taken this path, but you went this way and now you've got to come all the way back around to get, you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah, and that is a part of the journey as well. I believe that we do. That's kind of what free will is making those decisions. And I think that it's those, those non or those choices where we choose not to, to trust our intuition down the line only makes us trust it more, I think. Right. But, but we had to experience that in order to get to a place to trust it more. Exactly. So. And I'm curious what you think about this, that arts and creativity is our soul speaking, is our intuition. It's like that art and creating is our superpower, yet it's not as valued in society because it doesn't make you this money immediately, but it's what lights your soul on fire. Art, whether it's music, writing, whatever it is, poetry, it's like your soul is speaking into the world. And I think that that is the medicine that the world needs from each individual is to harness that into whatever way you want to do it and don't ignore that. And Mm -hmm. That's why I love what you said, because it's like your music is like the medicine for people that they need. And it's like what you need to express. And I feel like it's like the truest form of our expression that so many people don't utilize or they ignore because it doesn't make logical sense or it doesn't make money right away. Yeah, I think a lot of people specifically with music are trying to do what made money last week does that make sense like especially with songs that are chart topping and and stuff like that I mean obviously that's a goal that I have for myself as well but it's important that it's like we talked about putting the right nutrients in the song so that it's it can be healing if that's what it needs to be or it can be inspiring if that's what it needs to be and it can be a connection with another human through something through a speaker in their car while they're driving down a road 
somewhere in the middle of nowhere and they all of a sudden the light goes on for them and they're like, I've been missing this part of stuff or this whatever in my life. And that song just kind of made me realize that, right? Like that's what music can do for people. And I, and I think all forms of art, but I think that that's why the, the amount of vulnerability that comes out. I mean, we're, we live in a society where it's catch flights, not feelings, you know, like feel, feel everything. That's how you work through things. That's how you heal. That's how you love. That's, you know, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I feel like I was born at a very wrong time sometimes because I don't understand that whole concept of, you know, keeping things casual and catching flight, not speed, not feelings and, you know, cancel culture and stuff. I just don't, my, I can't wrap my brain around those things. Well, you were probably maybe here to shine more light of that. Maybe. Like you, like say, you know, I know we're both have very similar opinions around what's going on Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe you were meant to not, you were meant to like be that person that's, doing what they want to give other people permission to do so because there's a lot of people that are just looking for permission to fucking be who they want to be. Yeah. Like they, they, they need a permission slip from somebody Yeah, because they think like, Oh, I want to do that, but how do I know? And it's like when people are actually doing things that they want to do and they can create from it and they can make money from it. Like that's what people need to see. Yeah. So, you know, there's not enough people doing that. There's too many people listening to the naysayers and ignoring what they want to do, which ends up leading to getting sick and, you know, bringing in the wrong partners into your life and the wrong things. And then you're left unhappy and you wonder why. Well, it's because you ignore the shit that you know you, you want to do and you've been waiting for others to tell you to do so. That's okay. Yeah. When you don't need permission from anyone ever. Yeah. You just need, you just need to trust your intuition. If that's what it feels where you need to go, then that's where you need to go. I think that's, you're, you're absolutely right. It all stems back to trusting your gut, right? I've known the amount of times I've had people be like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to settle down and have kids? I'm like, I'm like, you know, and some of them are my family members and it's only coming from a place of love and their own understanding and their own, but it's, for me, it's like, it's been something that I've known I've had to do my whole life. And I think that my music, if you ever come to Nashville and you see me sing, I capture people's attention. I have since I was a little kid and I've known that, mm. that I, I can, I have the ability to control a room with my vocal cords. And yeah. that's a really powerful, amazing gift that I was given to, and something that I was, feel like I was trusted with because it, I capture people's time, like time. And I have the ability to help them open themselves up to their own spirit and their own energy and their own intuition and their own understanding instead of just, and it just so happens that I do it in a bar in the middle of the South. Like it's weird. It's, I mean, it is what it is, but it's, I mean, I've always known that I've always known that since I was a tiny little girl. And I think that having people put their, their expectations. I've never asked for permission. I've always been the black sheep to my family that's done her own thing. You know, I've asked advice and then I've often not taken it, but I don't think that, I think we get too caught up in asking for permission. Like what do you, what do you, what, what value does it have to me? If you say that you think I should be writing books, not songs, maybe, maybe writing books is another good avenue, but then it takes my voice out of it. And so I can't use my voice to heal people. And therefore me listening to you giving me permission or not can take away some, somebody's 
experience that they're absolutely needing to change their lives. So, yeah, you know, I think that's again, where the trusting the intuition comes in because there's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's, there's just so many avenues to express ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. and I just think people are just, whatever reason, they're just afraid. And I just, you know, from my own personal experience with, let's say this podcast, right? This is the one thing that I, in the beginning was like, I don't care what anybody's saying. I'm doing this. This was mm -hmm. the beginning of 2019. You know, I don't care the Joe Rogans. I don't care about the Lewis Howes. I don't care because this is something that I know my intuition is telling me to do. And the hard part about it is getting caught up in a, Oh, when is it going to, when is it going to make me all this money? When is it right? And that's what people get caught up in. And then you're like, you have to go back to remembering, well, why are you doing this? Like not everything that is great is going to just show you a result financially right away. It's got to be from the heart. It's got to be like, well, do you plan on doing this for years? If the answer is yes, then what's the rush? You're learning. It's the journey. But it's, I think people are just so caught up with like, they need to see this like financial result right away. And I think it's like that with a lot of different things. I think it's like that in mostly in the arts, because like, yeah. for example, if you're to open a restaurant, you, you know, like your projections are that you're not going to make money for the first one to two years. Yeah. Art is exactly the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same, but people are so much more afraid of it for some reason. And I think that like, if we go back to when we were kids, we we're all creating, we're all out mixing potions and we're all drawing things and making macaroni necklaces and singing and humming while we're doing all of those things. I think we all have creation innately in us, but we get lost in the fear of security or not having security. Yes. So sometimes you just need to, I mean, my, listen, my family has supported me a lot and I've had to ask for money here and there and I've had to, you know, stay on some couches and, and it's not been easy. That's why I say, you know, creating art, being an artist isn't necessarily an easy lifestyle. Sometimes you sacrifice the security of having a home and it's really it can be really hard especially for somebody like me I need a home that makes me feel safe and but the thing is is that knowing that I'm able to do that for myself down the road and have a little bit more security and happiness because of what I'm doing and that, that that'll eventually bring those things for me I was able to make those sacrifices when I was younger and it wasn't so scary because I was a little bit more invincible so to speak you know so yeah, I mean, I think that we just anything that that has it's surrounding the arts when it comes to needing that return right away, we get so impatient with it when when it's the same in the business world, too. But it's not as scary for some reason. Well, I just, yeah, I agree. And what I have noticed in our world today is there is a lot of hurt people mm -hmm. there's a lot of people living a lie there's a lot of people living someone else's story and there's a lot of people ignoring their truth yep and i believe that if more people listened to that young kid 
that creator like you just spoke to we are creators as human beings we're here think of the shit that we can create sorry to swear this is just no it's it's all good i i just swear and i'm sometimes like man you sound like a trucker that's <laughs> the way I express hey the truckers may have saved our lives so oh yeah yeah that's true that's true we love the truckers but so what i mean is like there if more people really was like what do i what do i like to do like what do i what do i actually like what creative activity do I want to do and share with the world? Mm -hmm. And I think if more people really did that and really focused on that and figure out what that is, like, what does that eight-year-old kid want to do? Like, what do you want to do now? I think that would be very healing for people. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of people get lost in the chaos of the world. And a lot of people aren't willing to look at themselves and get super honest as to, am I living a, a bullshit story that's somebody else or am I in truth? And we're living and we're watching these people. And this is what's happened in our world. It's full of lies. It's full of bullshit. It's lacking accountability for our own actions. And I think it's really just a loss of truth. It's a loss of like really following the truth of who the individual is. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think that's, I've got truth tattooed on my, on my arm, uh, my head, but yeah. I feel like that's exactly it. Nobody lives their truth anymore. And the thing is, is that people, if you, if you understand about following your passion and that means like every little thing you do. So like, Yesterday, having a bad day. One thing I do for myself that makes me feel better is getting a pedicure. It's just a form of self-care that makes me feel taken care of. And then for some reason, just that touch and that chat with the lady that was doing my, my toes and making them all pretty, I, it, we ended up having a great conversation. It kind of changed my whole day. But it was the thing is, is that I, I did something for myself when I was having a bad day that I knew would bring me joy and change my mindset. And following those little things, following those little things that give you joy, eventually get you to the place where, because a lot of people don't know what their passion is. And I, I have a hard time wrapping around or wrapping my head around that because I've known since I was a child. But for people that don't know, I would, I would say like, follow the little things that make you happy, those little breadcrumbs, because the universe will give you those. And eventually you'll get to a place where you're finding something that is just like, I mean, you started out with hockey. Did you ever think you would be podcasting? I had no clue that I'd be right? this. But you're following those little breadcrumbs because you're, you're just kind of taking a, one step at a time. Now you're doing something that you really enjoy. You're becoming quite successful at it. And it's kind of like you can make a job and financial security out of anything. And the more you are doing it out of love, the more lucrative and abundant you're going to be. I've never been so financially stable other than when I'm singing. When I work in a restaurant and I'm trying to hustle to make tips, I hate being there. And I'm hate, I'm putting hate into my wealth that I'm creating. Yeah. I'm on a stage singing other people's songs and I absolutely love it. And I'm pouring my heart and soul out, whether I'm having a good, bad, good or bad day, doesn't really matter because I'm getting to do something I love. And, and me and the guitar player that I play with, we like, we just love what we do and it's not a grind for us. And we just, we, we make a really comfortable amount of money to live off of because I'm just pouring love out all day long. So 
I think it's like we we get caught in that struggle, but we get caught in that struggle because it's our own doing, because we're doing something we hate. We're not following our passion and we're not putting love into the things that we want to do. Like, you know, yeah, your side hustle is like construction and, and making these, you know, cool little artist things that you can sell and people can buy at the flea market. But why wouldn't you do that full time if you really love it and make a, you know, that you're just in your wood shop all day long making something that you absolutely love to make and now you're making a business out of it anything can be made into a business anything but we get scared because a lot of people just don't they don't know the beginning part of it what makes you happy how do you follow your passion and i think that if we could get to the basic of that the root of that and people really understood they went back to that little eight-year-old being like what did i love when i was a kid right i think that would change a lot of people's lives but it's scary it's really scary it is. It's, it comes down to safety. We, people want to feel safe, right? We're, we're always told growing up, get a job with benefits and this, that, be safe. That's all great. But it's also that, you know, I always like to think about when did things, when did things start to change? And it's like you get indoctrinated into school and you get like told you should be doing this because of this. And look, I love trades. I love all the guys that do trades. A lot of my friends do them, but I, when, when we were retired, when, when we were graduating, the baby boomers were all retiring. So we're, everybody was told, get a trade, get a trade, get a trade. My dad rode my ass until the day he died. Why don't you go be a, get a trade, get an electrician. I tried it. It wasn't for me. Yes. Yeah. It's great. But it was like, I was trying, it, it didn't work for me. Right. I'm a people person. That's why the bar industry for me worked. Cause I could like talk and like, entertain people and, and fuck around. But like, I tried to do the carpentry. I tried to do it. And I just, it was like torture for me. Cause I just, I couldn't do it, but it was like, I was being told this and I was feeling bad that I wasn't going to university. I wasn't going into this trade. And I'm like, well, what about for the people that aren't wanting to do the things that I'm being told? Like, what about those people? Like, I don't. And then all of a sudden, I think a lot of people buy into that because it's like the right thing to do it's safety mm -hmm. get a job get a house get financial security get benefits and then we just kind of do that which is fine if that's what you want but i really believe a lot of people get told that at a young age and then it stops them from like yeah but what do i really want to do yeah what do i really want to do yeah like you know because we change a lot in our 20s we change a lot yeah, we change a lot. I mean, in our thirties, even it's like you, like you said, the breadcrumbs. It's like each, each level up, you learn more about yourself, and then you go, hmm, "This was great to get me here, but this might not be the thing." Yeah, and it's the next thing, and then you pay attention to the whispers. Right, you get these. You're like, oh, "I like that." Does it make you feel good, or does it make you feel kind of bad? Oh, okay. Pay attention to the things that make you feel good, and I think. If you don't get that natural level of evolution in your life as you grow, then you're kind of missing out on what you're really learning about yourself. Because it's hard for young people to really know what they want at 20 years old, 25 even, until yeah. you've got your ass kicked yeah. a few times. You've lost a bunch of money. You got your heart broken. Like you travel a little bit. Like it's hard to know what you what is actually for you. And I think that gets lost in the process. So I think people just are given this like 
I got this great job and I'm so great. But then they get to this point where it's like, wait a minute, is this really what I want to do? And it, it creates anger amongst people. Yeah. Other people doing shit that they want to do. And they're like, don't do that. You know, and try and bring you down. And then you see all that crap on social media and whatever else. I think it's funny that you brought up the trade thing because I'm actually a cosmetologist by trade. My parents really wanted me to go into a trade as well. And I mean, we same same generation, right? So I actually looked into being an electrician as well. But then I was like, eh, I have to curl in small spaces and there's probably spiders and I can't deal with that. So cosmetology was the other thing because we all, we love hair. But it was one thing that like I didn't really realize about myself when I was that age. I went into it when I was like 19, 20. I don't like touching people. I don't like touching people. I take on their energy and their problems because I have an empathic, you know, some psychic stuff that I just, I end up sponging their problems and taking them home. And I was miserable, not understanding that I wasn't, that A, I needed to protect myself in those situations. B, I don't need to be in a job where I'm touching people all the time. I'm way too sensitive for that. And that's where I love being on, I'm not a social person either. I don't like being, having to carry on small talk conversations all the time. That's why I love being behind a microphone. I control a conversation. I'm on a stage where no one can come and touch me. So knowing those things about myself, I'm like, how did I ever think I could be a hairdresser? Like you're constantly touching people and taking on their energy and dealing with their, I'm also a bit of a germaphobe. So like, you know, I'm literally hands on their heads, which if they don't wash their hair, like, I mean, the things I know now about myself, I would have never put myself into that trade and gone into debt for you know, a school and a a schooling and a job that I was never going to enjoy anyway. Mm. So I think moving forward, if I ever have children of my own, I don't want to put those boundaries on them. I want them to, I want to teach them to follow their joy and teach them that they can create a business out of anything and, and that they can, they're, they're, they have wealth because we're born into it. And that's our right as humans. We don't need to I mean, if you look around you, the earth provides you with everything you need, you know, and it's just, we get too caught up in collecting stuff that we can't take with us when we're in the ground anyways. So yeah, we're like, like a lot of my people, my age, and I'm sure your age are like, I got to buy a house. I got to buy a house. I got to buy a house. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to own a home because then I have to stay in one spot forever to try and pay it off, you know? And I just, I don't know if that's something that I want. I feel like the house ends up owning you then. And then what if it gets destroyed in a fire or a tornado and you don't have the right insurance and you're still in debt for something you no longer have? Like, what's the point of that? You know, I like my little apartment that I rent and when the dishwasher breaks, I call somebody to fix it, you know? It doesn't cost me anything. It's your freedom, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, again, there's a lot of things that people are told and Hey, it may be the right thing for some, but it's not really for everybody. There's not a one size fits all approach for everything. It's like people want to box everybody in as like our, our school program is a one size fits all. Yeah. And that's the, that's a big problem with it. I think that's why people are so confused is because they've been taught that we are academics. That's it. Yeah. And just memorizing stuff like robots. Yes. And if you don't fall into that, oh, if you talk too much, go to detention, little Timmy. Yeah. Like I got thrown in, I got sent to the back of the room. I got sent to detention so many times just for talking. Yeah. Like, how does that make sense? Stop talking and listen. It's like, no, we'll put those kids where they can, they obviously are outgoing. Yeah. Give them, give them an outlet for that. 
I mean, right? I don't have all the answers, but it's like, yeah, and if we want to shape the kids of tomorrow, I mean, at least work with what they got. Yeah. I mean, I, their goal, work with like their gifts a bit. Yeah. I agree. I'm a terrible morning person. If I had have been in, if I had have had the opportunity to go to school from one in the afternoon to nine at night, I turn on at night. Like I'm, I mean, and that's a big part of me being a performer my whole life. I know that I'm a good evening person, night person. And so if I had have had the opportunity to go to class later, I probably would have done so much better. I was struggling to stay awake in most of my classes in high school, mm-hmm. like exhausted because I'm up at a part of the day where my, it feels very foreign to my body. Like my body clock is a little bit more like I'm a, I'm a nine, wake up at nine 30, go to bed at like midnight or one kind of person. I'm not a go to bed at 10 and up at four 30 in the morning. I just, I, I'm awful at those hours. Awful. Yeah. So knowing that about our kids, I think in the future too, and giving them opportunities to be able to be in something that suits them, their needs a little better. Would be would make a world of difference with the you know the kids of our generations coming up and stuff. But things have definitely changed since we were kids. Very true. It's pretty it's pretty wild to think about nowadays, like just social media and like screens all the time. And there's some stuff that's private that shouldn't like kids just you know. Like good, like there's some times me growing up, like, man, I'm glad nobody had phones, but that's for being young and stupid. You're young and stupid. You make mistakes. Yeah. And like, I just am concerned about having these devices everywhere and like everybody's eyeballs are on these screens and it's like videotaping and, and people, you know, these bullies with social media and these kids can't escape. It's like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be a kid with all that crap because I remember when I got I moved schools across the country. I went to a new school from Edmonton to Victoria. I got bullied in grade seven. Mm -hmm. Like I, and like my, if they had, and I could just escape and go home every day and like have a fresh start the next day. But now I just think about, man, imagine they had phones and you could never get away from that. There's no escape yet. It's crazy. And I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but man, I wouldn't want to be a kid with that stuff. Like you'd like back in the day, it's like go out and play. You know, go ride your bike, come back when dinner's ready, like fall down. Like, I don't know what kids are doing nowadays. It's just all I see is screens all the time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to navigate that very well either. I mean, in my profession, social media is kind of an unnecessary evil. I hate calling it that, but Same. Same. you do, I do have my, like a lot, a lot of my friends and, and, and people that follow me, I don't follow back and that's not out of it's not out of any reason other than I just try to curate my social media so that I'm seeing things that are helpful and healthy for me and inspiring and stuff like that. So mine is a lot of like stuff about holistics and potions and, you know, learning about astrology and stuff like that. So it's, I kind of keep it around what interests me and what makes me feel good. Again, following the things that make you feel good, but I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know how kids do it these days. Like there's so much pressure to be doing all these TikToks and all this. Like, I mean, I'm just learning TikTok and it's way too much, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a part of, I, I kind of wish that it wasn't a part of my job and I could back in the seventies and when we're, you know, talking about Fleetwood Mac and CV Nicks and stuff, they only had to make a record once every five years, you know, or, or two years. And that, and then they would tour that for a long time. 
And then, you know, you'd see their pictures in Rolling Stone and you'd see them on your TV and that was it. They got to like unplug, do their shows, do all of their press, unplug, go home, normal life. No, like, here's, here's what my bedroom looks like. Here's what I'm eating for breakfast. You know, like none of that. Could you, like, I'd, what, what was Stevie Nicks' kind of favorite food? Who, who, who cared back then? Now everybody wants to know, like, what's Justin Bieber doing? Where's he shopping? You know, like, ugh. I don't know. It's a lot. Well, there was this, there was this cool feeling about a mystery of like not knowing. And all you could, sure. all you could know is when they're like maybe interviewed on like MTV or much music. And you're like, oh, and there was this like mysteriousness or you see yeah. them live. And it was like, that was kind of fun to not know everything about them. Yeah. Like it was kind of fun to have this like unknown and kind of make your own guesses about them. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. like this, like this feeling. Now it's, it's kind of like you get to, it's cool to know about them fully, but then it kind of takes away because you realize just how human everybody is. Yeah. And it's like, it kind of was cool when you thought they were like, a little bit rock stars. They're just different. Yeah, I agree. I definitely miss some of that too. And just like the, the safety that we had as kids too, like we could run around the neighborhood and come home when the light street lights went on and that's just not a good thing anymore you know people are constantly on their phones with their kids like where are you what time are you going to be home like yeah it's i didn't have a set time it was when the lights came on if you're not home when the lights come on you kind of start to know when the sky is changing and the lights are going to come on if you're not home at that point you're in trouble imagine telling your imagine being told where your kids wear a mask i would have been like like it's nuts it's nuts like in schools seeing kids with masks it's nuts i can't even imagine i have a really hard time with it because there's a part of me that wants to do it for other people's safety and then there's a the part of me that wants to protect myself because it's, this is my job. This is my livelihood. Yeah. I don't really, the only time I really am grateful for masks these days is when I get a cold sore and I can wear one out. Nobody questions why. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like if I was a celebrity, I'd be like, these masks are good. I can put my sunglasses on. I can like, yeah. roll around and go to the grocery store like a normal person. Yeah. I have a question that just came up while we were talking about something else. And I just kind of wanted to ask your opinion on it. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Like, you know, when music went, let's say when Napster came out. Yeah. And as an artist, what was your initial perspective? Like, what did you think about? Oh, yes. Free music. It's accessible. Everybody's every Tom, Dick and Harry's burning CDs and blah, blah, blah. You get all this music. You get your favorite artist, Stevie Nicks, you know, Fleetwood Mac all on one CD. It's like amazing. What are your thoughts back then on that? And were you against it? And how has that changed now? I'm kind of just curious as to like being an actual artist. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? I mean, I was stoked when all of that happened, but I also didn't understand the repercussions of it. Right. right? So, cause I didn't know the business side of the music at that point. I was still, I was still married when all of that came out. And I remember sitting, watching my screen on like LimeWire and it's like, <laughs> the next song will be 18 minutes to download. I'm like, 18 minutes, that's so fast. You know, like, I mean, that was eons ago, but yeah. back then I thought it was so great that I could, you're exactly right, make my own CD, have it in my car of all of my favorite songs. And I didn't have to buy this one and that one and this one. And, but now I'm kind of like, man, that has really just robbed artists of their art. Yeah. You know, it's, it's robbed them of the ability to create art more frequently because it's so costly and I don't know. I just now I'm like, I just wish we could go back to buying CDs in Walmart and like Target and like records and stuff like that, because that's those kinds of sales 
allowed people like Fleetwood Mac to continue to make more records because it costs so much money to make them. But then wouldn't the record companies take a big chunk? Like, isn't, I think I remember hearing somebody like, was it Snoop? Or like, they were talking about how ripped off they used to get from some of these labels. I think it depends on your, I think that's all comes down to contract and artist specific. But yeah, definitely when you, I'm so glad that I'm coming up in the industry a little bit older and a little bit more like wise, street smart around that, those areas, because I know what it looks like to sign with management and what the general cost is and that it shouldn't be more than a certain percentage. I know that a record label doesn't have the right to take my stuff, especially if they're knocking on my door, I can ask for more, you know, like I know now that I want to either share my masters or keep them for myself, but I never knew that when I was younger. And that's why when you've got all these young artists coming out, I feel like that's kind of why they prey on them is because, or go after them and try and develop them is because they don't know those things yet. And so they're able to make a whole lot more money off of them because they're not as business savvy yet. Right. They they haven't learned those things yet. So, you know, you get somebody like Sony or Universal coming after you and they're like, but we're going to take 75% of your, of your profit. And then we're, we're going to give you all this money, a million dollars to make a record, but we're taking 75% of your profit. But then out of the 25% you get to keep, there's management costs, there's PR costs, there's wardrobe, makeup, hair, film, pictures, all the website, all of that stuff. And that comes out of the artist's pocket. So you're really only walking with like five to 10%. So, and and young artists don't really know that. And then also the masters are like, also the way that you make a huge amount of money. It's like, basically that's saying that you're the author and you get all of the writing credits. But when your masters are given away, because most labels take your masters, that's the whole Taylor Swift, why she's redoing everything is because Scooter Braun bought her masters and now he owns her art. Oh man. Right? Like, so that's why she's remaking it so that she can own it. Yeah. Same thing happened with Jojo. She was like an old little RB artist a long time ago. She had to recreate some of her old records too, because her labels wouldn't give her control over the masters. Yeah. Like there's so many things that people don't know about that industry. Yeah. And I guess. Nowadays, though, would you say that it's better for being discovered or is it now, is it, because back then, what you had to do is just bring in a tape and hope that somebody listened to it. What is it like now? Is it just luck of the draw? Like how, how do you get discovered? You just put it out on Spotify or like, what's the process? Like say somebody's out there and they're passionate and they're, you know, young and they're whatever. Like, how does it, what do they do? How do they get their music out there? I can tell you my process when I get discovered, but I do know that like, you know, that's where social media can come in and be helpful is because there's been lots of artists that have been discovered on TikTok. You know, that song, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but that A, B, C, D, E, F, you and your mom. And, 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 oh, I you know, that girl, she's from Nashville. Her name's Gail. That was her first single that she ever put out. It blew up on TikTok. And, you know, a couple months later, she's on Jimmy Fallon performing live on his show, which is a really, really cool thing. Doesn't happen very often, but it's it's there's avenues like that like it's much easier to discover because everybody has more access to everything now so like you can find people on youtube social media instagram tiktok all kinds of different places so i think it's good in that sense but it's also it also makes it very oversaturated and you could get lost in the shuffle so for me it's been having a good pr team it's been having them help me with constructing my socials properly using hashtags, learning things I didn't really want to learn, but have kind of had to. And then also it's performance. You know, I'm, I'm down there 
slugging it out every day and touching people's lives in a way that, you know, people aren't necessarily doing on TikTok. So I think it's kind of when somebody walks into a room and goes, whoa, whose voice is that? And I'm a middle child. So my voice is extremely loud and you can hear me down the street. So some people are just like, where's that voice coming from? And they follow it right into my venue. So that's helped me. But I think it just depends on the artist. It's there's so many different ways, but that means it's so oversaturated. Right. Yeah. It's so cool that you singing in Nashville. It's pretty fun. Here it's like such an amazing city. I don't think I've ever heard one bad thing about Nashville. It's very vibey and it's very like you kind of also have to if you if you can tend to be a party animal like I can, you have to draw some very hard boundaries for yourself. And uh, you know, there's definitely overindulgence that can happen because it's crazy down there. I keep pointing this way because that's literally where I work is right down the street here. But but it's just it's so lively and vibrant. People are out here living their lives. There is no mandates anywhere. There's no masks anywhere. You know, it's just people want to party and they come and they do that here. And nobody's going to stop them. You know, like it's just. Yeah. Well, it's got to help to the the morale of the city having live music all the time. Right? Again. People feel good. Exactly. You can't help, but man, live music, when you walk in, like, how do you not feel good? Exactly. That's, again, where... It's amazing. It's It's like connecting to our soul. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, like, that's why, I think that's why people are down here so much. And the way it's amazing is because... There's just music all day, every day. It starts at 11 a.m. and it goes until 2.30 in the morning every single day of the week. That's amazing. I need to come there. I think a lot of it stems back to us as imminent tribes for thousands of years of like music and like getting together. That's how we connect. Story. People love stories. People connect to stories. People connect to music. Music is a story too. Like it's like, it's, it's like, it's such a human thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I wanted to talk to you about some of these lyrics before we like look at wrapping up here. Okay. How could you love me when I didn't love me? Felt like a nobody, but how could you know? This time I saved myself. I love that. Yeah. Because I- you're, you're looking at it like you're the awareness there. And I was like, oh yeah, I just, I don't know. I really, I really, I really like those lyrics. Thanks. I think that was like a really hard pill to swallow. You know, it was, I I had gone through a bad breakup that was, and it was like the shortest relationship I've ever been in in my life. But I was looking to him to be my savior because I was locked in my parents' basement for almost a year and a half and was going crazy. And he looked like a way out of that. And instead of me being my own way out, because I had also not been able to do music for a really long time, lost my whole sense of identity. I just kind of like, I, jumped in with both hands and held on for dear life. And I wouldn't have dated me in that situation either. Once I got out of it and realized how I was behaving and healed from the pain of it all, I realized that I broke my own heart in that situation because I put so much expectation on somebody else to save, to save me and pull me out of a situation I was unhappy in when I should have been the one to do that for myself. So. Well, it's, it's exactly what's going on in a lot of lives. Yeah. This is why I resonated with it because it's called save myself. Yeah. You have to save ourselves first. Like you have to look at, you know, nobody's here. Nobody's coming to rescue you. You got to look at yourself. Like that's why it's important is that reflection. And I think we can all see ourselves in that song because 
how could you expect somebody to love you when you don't love yourself? Like your the love for yourself is going to reflect outwards. Like that self-love is so important. And that is so important to discover before you seek it in somebody else. Mm-hmm. Seek it for yourself first. It's so important to, I mean, I, I say need in the sense that like we all need each other and we all need to have our support and our safety and our the people that we have in our lives. But when you get to a point where you don't need a significant other, but you want one. Of course. And, ch- and understanding the difference in that and what what those two things attract, the type of person that need attracts, you're putting out desperation and you're putting out you need somebody to come and save you. And that's filling a void. You're trying to fill a a part of you that isn't complete. Exactly. But then putting out wanting a partner and, and the, the things that you put out into the universe that way, because you're already providing for yourself. You're already caring for yourself. You're already nurturing your inner child. You're doing your spiritual work, your trauma work. You're going to therapy. You're just, you're attracting that kind of person back to you instead of somebody who is also broken and also desperate and also looking for a void to be filled, right? And we don't, we don't have the ability to fill a void in, the, in another. We think we do, but we don't. And it's not our responsibility to. No. It was not his responsibility to be my savior. It was my responsibility to be my own hero. I just was so in such a place that was so dark that I couldn't, I knew that already, but I just wasn't listening to it. And everything in my body was rejecting him because I knew that it wasn't right, but I was still trying to make it work. So. Like I got sick, I got infections, all kinds of stuff when we were dating. And it was a very, very short, I wouldn't even call it dating. It was not long enough to be considered that. But I was like, but I need it, but I need it. It's my way out. It's just the only way I can, I'm going to get out of here. And my body was like, no, no, you know, like, I don't know. It was just once I had worked through all of that stuff and healed. And I mean, healing is a process. I'm still not, I still have stuff coming up from, from that and other past relationships too, but understanding that a taking time for those things healing's not linear and some days i'm going to have sadness and that's okay and then also being able to be like i'm the one that fucked that up yeah how can i do better so i don't do that again because that didn't feel good so but that awareness is the most important piece and the first piece of everything of yeah everything you have to be aware there's most that will never even be aware that that's an issue or that's, it's always somebody else's fault. That's it's always, well, that they didn't do that or she didn't do this or, or, you know, president Trump did that or this or that or Biden or whatever. It's like, what are you doing though for yourself? Like, what are you, you know what I mean? It's like, nobody's, it's nobody's responsibility. Like, obviously, there, there's like this projection of like people leading the world. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's so easy to get caught up on that. Nobody's, none of them are going to come and rescue you. You have to realize and be aware of like how you're showing up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. we have to be, empower ourselves. But it's so, I, I'm... I agree, but I also understand how scary that is for people. For sure. Like to, to have the openness and the vulnerability to say I was wrong because of the embarrassment and the shame that we're taught that goes with those things. Like, I think when you're expressing something that makes you vulnerable and you can say, I was wrong, I need to learn from what I just did and I want to do better. Can you help me? 
that's so much more empowering than be like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to ghost you. We're never going to talk again. You did me wrong, blah, blah, blah. Like, but what did you put into that situation for that situation to go wrong? Because it it takes you to tango, you know? And it's, it's, if I had the chance to go back now, I still wouldn't, I don't know where he's at. And I, and I don't really think that he's doing his work. And I mean, that's neither here nor there, but I, but now because I've done mine, looking back on that, I would have never put myself in that situation. I would have never gone near somebody that was in the same situation as me because two toxic people just drag. It's just a downward spiral, right? I learned spiral upwards. It, it seems, it seems much more fun up there. Yeah. This is the journey, right? And, yeah. And it's just that awareness is so key. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Powerful, powerful conversation. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for like making this happen. I appreciate yeah, it. This is so fun. You're so interesting to talk to. To, and to to kick things off, to send people away with a little bit of like takeaway, what advice do you have? Maybe let's specifically talk about, or wh- however, what advice do you have for somebody that's struggling with adversity or a challenge, or maybe somebody that has like a, a block of creativity that they really want to do something that they know they should, but they can't. Like, what advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, I am a huge advocate for talk therapy. That has helped me. I know that you've done your ayahuasca journey and that helped open your eyes to a lot of things as well. Talk therapy was my ayahuasca journey. I can't express that, the importance of that enough, especially if you're a creative, just because our ups and downs are pretty all over the place. And it's, it's helped me navigate those. But like I said before, one foot in front of the other and following the little things that bring you joy, because you might not know what your art is going to look like a year from now. And it might not be creating music the way that you thought it would be. Maybe it's writing books. Maybe it's creating poetry. Maybe it's writing songs for other people. Maybe it's not in the music world at all. Maybe it's behind the scenes in film, filming music videos, you know, like you never know. So I think just following the breadcrumbs and then doing one thing at least a day that makes you happy, brings you joy, makes you feel good. Those are the things that have been, even like days when I've had depressive episodes and I could barely get out of bed, that's when I like, it's okay for me to have a glass of wine today because it's gonna, I'm gonna really enjoy it, you know? And it's, and it's not something that I do all the time or regularly, but when I know I've got, you know, or my favorite show, like I'm exhausted, I just need to watch something that's a little bit mindless and it's okay for me to take the space to do that. And giving yourself permission. Some days I've had such bad depressive episodes. This is a lot more in the past, but where I couldn't even get out of bed to shower. So like just doing that and allowing that to be the only thing I did that day, as long as I did that one goal and it made me feel better, good, we're good. We're putting one foot in front of the other slowly, but surely. And go as slow as you need to and don't worry about your age. Don't worry about any kind of time restrictions that anybody puts on you because I'm 40 and I'm just getting into this and I'm finally finding my feet and I have a lot to say and I feel like it's a lot of stuff that people are ready to hear, but they weren't ready and I didn't have the experience 20 years ago. So that would be my advice. Talk therapy, follow the breadcrumbs of the things that make you happen, happy. At least do one thing that brings you joy and allow yourself to take time. Love it. Mic drop. <laughs> so... Never drop the mic. Those are expensive. (laughs) Sorry. Catch the mic. (laughs) Make my drop. (laughs) Your your song, Save Myself, is now available. Where can we find it? Let's get everybody. Everybody go there now and get it. 
Yeah. Uh, if you look up Cash Crawford, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, all of the streaming places, it'll be on all of those. You can also go to my website, which is cashcrawfordmusic.com. And uh, it'll send you some links to all of your favorite streaming stuff. You can also, you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok, unfortunately, but I do share a lot of good things on TikTok. I think at least I try to, but uh, Instagram is a really good spot too. I will most likely have a link for it somewhere or a link to my website in my bio. So you can find it through there too. We'll have it there. Everybody go get this. This is a great song and I truly love it. And I've listened to it probably five or six times. So that. Yeah. I, I, it was great. And I, I love you stuck it. in your head. <laughs> no, it's great. Thank you so much, Cash. This is awesome. And yeah. This was great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this or if you're wanting to watch it on YouTube, head over there. Click the subscribe and follow button. Also, follow Cash. Go grab her single. It's available everywhere, Spotify, all the things. And uh, hit her up. Let her know. Let her, let her know you heard her on the show. And I know you're going to love her song too. So, all right, everybody, catch you next time. Much love. Bye.